Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Today, my name is Terry Fletcher. So we are in November. Can't believe it. But, of course, me being in California doesn't mean that we have cooler weather. Well, I guess if you can call 80s cooler, but I know a lot of you have already seen snow. Hello, Denver and Pittsburgh. And I just know that uh, the weather is changing for sure. You might hear me clear my throat a little bit, but I will try to mute myself because it definitely changes when you're talking. So I'm really excited that we are uh, heading into fall, we got a lot of information now coming out for the 2024 calendar year in healthcare. And a couple things I'm going to share with you today are things that, since the final rule had come out on November 2nd, that I'm getting a lot of emails from, not just with Coding Corner clients, but also with podcast listeners and um, just people in general are sending me things saying, Did you read it this way? Did you interpret it this way? So, Let's kind of take a look and dive in. Do you ever notice that you never get a phone call, you never get noise outside your window until you're going to record something? So I just had to close my window quick so we can kind of get started. The split or shared visit definition, CMS Medicare adopted in the final rule, the AMA's definition of this, which means CPT. So there has been some updated language And you can read it on the 2024 CPT book, Professional Edition, page six. And it's just one really long paragraph. But here is what is confusing everyone. And the one thing I wanted you to keep in mind is that whenever you read new published guidance, or you're reading the green section in CPT, which is the updated language, or in ENM, and also the text is in green, um, make sure you have a highlighter with you and go through it, read it several times and then walk away and read it again because a lot of people are reading it, stopping halfway through and assuming some things within the language and not really understanding the intent or um, the interpretation of it. So, and I I don't want you to get in trouble because this is an important um, situation when it comes to split or shared visits because it would save Medicare a lot of money if they're only paying mid-level providers at 85% of services versus paying the full 100% of the allowable to physicians. So it goes in and talks about physicians and other qualified healthcare professionals, how they can act as a team, which that is what split or shared visits are in the facility setting. Remember, it's not just in the office, it's not in the office for Medicare. Um, You might find another payer that'll allow it in the office, but Medicare does not. They're still saying it's in the hospital setting. But it talks about it's still either the medical decision making, which would be the substantive portion, or it could be based on total time of the encounter. And now you have to look at those minimum times um, that um, are in CPT with that. And it also talks about who spent the majority of the time face-to-face or non-face-to-face time. You still have to have face-to-face time if you are Um, the provider that's providing the service. But here's where the confusion part is where I'm getting some emails from people. And it's kind of halfway down in in the new published guidance. And you definitely don't want to get this wrong. So halfway down, it says, for the purpose of reporting E&M services within the context of team-based care, 
performance of a substantive part of the MDM requires that the physician or physicians or other QHPs made or approved the management plan for the number and complexity of problems addressed at the encounter and takes responsibility for that plan with its inherent risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. So what a lot of um, people are asking me is, does this technically mean all the physician has to do is approve the plan of care and now they can bill it out under them? No, because people didn't continue to read on. So after the italicized information, it says, by doing so, a physician or other QHP has performed, performed two of the three elements used in the selection of the code based on MDM, which means either the problems addressed or the data points or the risk. So you have to have two of those three elements. And so I think people are getting caught up in not only the non-face-to-face, but they're also trying to, and, and I hate to use the word get around, but really it's it's trying to find shortcuts on what should be more best practices. So you still have to perform personally those elements if you are billing out this service. Also Medicare, they just put out some statistical information. They want that FS modifier. In 2021, it was um, considered to be um, optional, but in 2022 and 2023, it's not optional. You have to put the FS modifier if you are the billing provider for split or shared services. Medicare needs to find a way to track these. And if they end up getting records from the hospital that shows it was a split or shared service, and then they get records from the physician without the modifier, it's going to look like the physician's trying to, to bill something under the radar and not be compliant. So just know that that has to be part um, of that record. Okay, also I wanted to get into a couple of correct code selections. I get this question quite a bit and then I also saw um, a version of this posted on LinkedIn from Stacy Buck who does a lot of uh, interventional radiology, but I'm gonna give you the context of this within a cardiology setting. So we were talking, or she mentioned, and I was, I've been talking about this for quite a while in my educational uh, pieces. So like seminars, webinars, conferences, and it's when somebody wants to bill an abdominal ortogram or an abdominal ortogram with runoff or an extremity angiogram. So correct code selection definitely depends on where the catheter is, so catheter placement, but also the results or finding or what we like to call angiographic data that's well documented in the report. Now, to be able to report a 75625 or a 75630, a complete abdominal aortogram should note findings for the origins of the renal arteries and the abdominal aorta. What are you looking for within that area? Now, I did notice that Stacy did put out something that you also have to have the celiac, the superior mesenteric, and the inferior mesenteric. That's an interpretation I don't have. But I do believe that you need to have from what I deal with with uh, MedLearn that also has um, the IR coder that it should at least get, pull in the uh, renal arteries. Do you have to have visceral arteries? I don't find any published document that says you have to. If you want to include it, you can. But again, a complete abdominal aortogram has to include the aorta. Now the code first, 75625. That's really for what we call an abdominal aortogram. It just means there was one high contrast injection at the level of the renals, um, or you might hear it called the uh, infrarenal, which means right um, above the renal. 
And if that's the case, then you would code 75625. And if it's done in a facility setting, the physician will put a 26 modifier on it because it's a radiology code. Now, if your physician does a, a abdominal ortogram with what they say with runoff, it means they're doing one high, again, injection at the level of the renals, and they're letting the dye just run down. And so if that happens, then that code is 75630, again, with a 26 modifier if this is done um, and in a facility setting. But you have to have a full abdominal ortogram, and then also you have to have findings of the bilateral femoral arteries, so above to above the knee for the lower extremities because it says AIFF or abdominal, um, and then it's iliacs and fem-fem, meaning that it's both sides of the legs. And actually, let me just go back and clarify a comment I made. I was actually going to re-record it, but I just realized what I said. Suprarenal means above the renal arteries, supra. And then infrarenal means right below. So it has to be suprarenal. So just a clarification there. Sorry about that. And then let's say that you did two injections. Now remember, we're not looking for extra images. We're not looking for um, extra views. We're looking for extra injections to be able to add an extra 70,000 code. So if you have a catheter that's placed at the level of the renals, or what we call that high catheter placement, and we did an abdominal ortogram, again, 75625, and then we pull that down to what a lot of coders, a lot of, um, clinicians call the aortic bifurcation, the iliac bifurcation. Remember, it's right where the legs split off, so either one is, is correct. Then you would have a second injection code or a second imaging code, 75716, to look at bilateral extremities or bilateral legs, if you will. And that's typically all the way down to the foot. I also look at RVUs because when I look at the value of the code, so for example, 75630 versus 75716, the 75630 has a 0.76 RVU just for the leg, so you wouldn't really have to report anything below the knee. But then when you look at the 75716 along with the 75625, it's a lot more money, so you would have to have everything that gives down to the foot. So know the difference in cost as well. Now, if your physicians use something like pelvic angiogram, you need to talk to them. Say, stop saying that <laughs> because pelvic angiogram is actually selective internal iliac. So um, it doesn't mean that the catheter is typically in the aorta. It means that they've selectively engaged the internal iliac. And so it's really important not only to pay attention, but to know the, the language and the terms of what that means. So let's look at a couple of examples. So the physician did, let's say, a left heart cath, 93458, and again, 26 modifier if you're providing this in um, a facility setting. And then let's say they pulled the catheter down to the level of the renals and did an abdominal aortogram, and they gave renal data, or they gave abdominal aorta data, or there was findings that reflected something in the, in the viscerals, then you would have... Uh, 75625 with a 26 modifier. Now from that one injection, if they also added runoff information, meaning that they are looking at both bilateral common femoral arteries, then instead of 75625, you would code 75630. Now remember, be careful when you're coding the extremity angiograms because CPT says it, it's been something that's been out there for quite a while, and you can't code for the extremity injection for a closure device, can't do it. So it's an inherent part of the heart cath or of the actual service that you're providing 
for the extremity or aortic angiogram. Remember that it includes introduction, um, positioning and repositioning of that catheter. And if you made the hole, you have to close the hole without trying to charge extra. It'd be kind of like a, a surgeon trying to charge extra to, you know, for staples or sutures or something to that effect. So the, the one that's the hardest is when a doctor, let's say, and again, I'm just going to put the heart cath in there because that's what I see most often with these services. And it might be separate, but I do see these sometimes the heart cath. Let's say that they, they pull the catheter down and they call it the distal aorta. Well, remember, proximal means above or the beginning, and distal means the furthest place out. So if you're in the furthest place out of the aorta, so distal aorta, it means that you're putting that catheter where the legs split off or at the bifurcation. Bifurcation means splitting into two. And so you wouldn't have anything that would allow you to have an abdominal aortogram. They may call it a distal aortogram, but that's not going to be an aortogram because with blood flowing down, you can't look above and see anything. So that either based on angiographic data is going to be either one extremity, 75710, or it'll be the bilateral extremity, 75716. So you have to read the report, make sure you're looking at angiographic data and understanding what your physician is documenting before you start pulling out your codes. I see these uh, coded, overcoded more than I see them undercoded or not captured. And I wouldn't want you to have monies taken back and then open yourself up for an audit if it's incorrect. So just a couple of things that came up on the final rule that I wanted to share with you as far as the shared or split visits. I'll be bringing you more uh, each week just because we've had a few things that you might be interested in on that. And then also don't forget to check me out on the hashtag Terry Tuesday Compliance Guy and also the Compliance Guy Roundtable on Mondays where we go live and there's uh, six of us that talk about current issues in healthcare. So a couple of uh, items, just, you know, some fun stuff. My Steelers are five and three. I'm so happy. We had a Thursday night game. We just absolutely dominated Tennessee and they had a rookie quarterback, but he threw four touchdowns be the week before. So we were so happy that we were able to get a, a 2016 win. It wasn't pretty. As I say, it seems like every week I'd like a pretty win for occasion. Just once in a while. I'm tired of ugly wins. I want pretty wins. It's crazy. But a uh, win's a win, so you know I'm pretty happy with that. And actually, that just brings me to a point, too. Don't forget to check out my WTF, What the Football podcast on Steel City Underground. And you can Google it and find it each week. It usually drops on Wednesdays. All right, everyone, make it a great rest of your week. Make it a great day. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer, Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.